This is Carl Palachuk, and you're listening to the SMB Community Podcast, produced by and for the Small Biz Thoughts community. We're dedicated to making every IT professional a successful IT professional. Hi, this is Carl. Welcome to another SMB Community Podcast. I'm joined today by Ben Nurnberg from MNJ Technologies. So, Ben oversees all the sales, marketing, services, and vendor management relationships for NMJ. So uh, I guess let's start with what is NMJ? And then you can tell me about about you. <laughs> sure, no no problem. So um, in some ways, MNJ uh, is like most uh, traditional um, VARs that, that you've heard of, um, you know, started over 19 years ago um, by an amazing couple. Uh, and grew the company from uh, what was, you know, two employees up to well over 140 currently right now. Um, but more than that, M&J has really transitioned and pivoted based upon, you know, the, the, the issues our customers were looking to, to solve, the problems they were looking to overcome, the things that were keeping up at night. And about four years ago, started a very large managed services pra- practice, hyper-focused on the edge. Um, understanding that kind of for us, the world revolves at the edge. And so if we could help customers navigate that and create managed services around network infrastructure, SD-WAN, bandwidth and circuits, um, direct connects into AWS, Azure, GCP, those types of services, um, we could really help them solve many of the problems that they were um, coming in contact with. So MNJ now not only is a, a company that, that helps with hardware, but also has a very la- uh, large managed service practice um, as well as we continue to, to grow and, and look for ways to help, um, like I said, solve customer problems. So are you, you a vendor to managed service providers? Um, so, so we're, we're, we're a vendor. To, we are a managed service provider that is a vendor to um, other direct customers. Um, but we also do help with other managed service providers who have a customer where maybe they can do just a portion of what the customer is looking for. They'll bring us in to also help offset those services. So, um, uh, first of all, I, I want to get back to 5G and whether it's, it, it actually exists beyond the, the logo on my phone. But um, <laughs> tell me about the, uh, the SD-WAN piece of it. So are you reselling a number of telco providers? Yeah, so M&J is a registered CLAC, so a common local exchange carrier. So we sell, manage, and procure circuits of all types, whether it be MPLS, DIA, broadband, um, with over relationships with over 100 different um, LEX uh, all over the U.S. and globe. Um, so we help customers as they as they look to increase right size and or solve issues that are being caused by bandwidth, especially when you bring COVID into it and you have such a huge remote workforce. Um, we really work with customers on what that looks like. And then we do that a lot of times with SD-WAN. So we, we represent over seven different OEM providers because early on we understood that not all SD-WAN was created equal. And because it wasn't created equal, we needed to make sure that we weren't solving a customer problem based upon the product we sold, but based on the best solution. And so what we did is we really were hyper-focused on finding the ones um, that more often than not could solve the different problems. If it was a retail customer with POS and PCI compliance, that was it. If it was a customer that had a huge call center and voice was their top priority, we knew there was someone that was better for that. Um, If it was a, a bank with branch locations and financial institutions, we knew there was a different product for that. So we really tried to make sure that we had enough 
expertise and enough management to handle those products on an agnostic level so that we're doing what's right by the customer, not by what just happens to be in, in the bag of products we sell. So I was at um, Channel Partners. It's now over a year ago that <laughs> COVID has really you know, messed things up. But uh, last Channel Partners that they had in real life was dominated by discussions of SD-WAN. And I yeah. don't know whether most managed service providers are familiar with software-defined networking or whether they even know how to deploy it. Yeah. So uh, how do you help them? Sure. So oftentimes, you know, there's something else that's the impetus to that move, right? So whether it's um, some companies are flat out just looking to, to move off of MPLS and, and, and reduce bandwidth costs. Others need more reliability. Um, others need to create a better end user experience. Um, some customers are moving to voice or collab in the cloud, forcing more bandwidth need and a need for that. Or you have applications, layer seven applications that are running there. So the first thing we do is we help with understanding and doing the discovery call and what ultimately is driving the change and, and what's needed and, and why is it needed. From there, we go with understanding what, what solution is right. And, and we can look at that not just based upon the SD-WAN appliance, but based upon um, the bandwidth, based upon the area that they're in and what's available. Um, in some cases, we may need satellite LTE or, well, 4G, right, um, as a backup uh, or a secondary. And, and how do we set that up? And so we really help customers and managed service providers who don't have expertise in that area uh, come up with the total solution of the customer. And then certainly security is that last leg that becomes, you know, so important and is being talked about so often these days and where that security should reside. So uh, how would a managed service provider get in touch with you in order to sort of, I guess, begin investigating whether or not you can help them out? Yeah. So whether it's a managed service provider or quite frankly, uh, a traditional VAR that just sells hardware, um, they certainly can, can go on our website. They can um, email myself or email our, our, our inbox um, at mnjtech.com uh, and talk to one of our sales professionals that works specifically with um, managed service. So we have, we have two different orgs that support that. One that just supports the managed service provider or the VAR and one that supports the, the end user to make sure we create delineation between the two. Very good. All right. So now let's talk about 5G. Yeah. So um, the promises of 5G are off the charts, right? Mm -hmm. It's going to be so fast. We're just going to throw away all the copper in the walls and we won't have wired networks anymore and it'll make uh, networking cloud-based um, networking and routing reasonable. So, okay, how come it's always just out of sight, <laughs> just yeah. at arm's length? Uh, you know, because it's been years now that we've been hearing these promises. Yeah. Uh, so I, I would tell you, I don't doubt that the end goal or end state is what we talked about, right? Which is over over a non-wired network um, where you have no latency, no jitter, um, no packet loss, right? Those things are going to supposed to quote unquote exist. And, 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 and they have, right? They're, they've done tests where they've televised golf events or other um, sporting events where they've used simply 5G to be able to facilitate that. And it has d delivered. I think the issue becomes the infrastructure needed to deliver that um, over all states and all areas 
um, is a hefty investment and takes a lot of time and effort. So we certainly will see pockets of cities that pop up, but for an entire company with multiple branch locations to be able to leverage 5G in all areas, I think is gonna be a few years away until we get to that point where it's available. Um, certainly the bigger metropolitan tier one and tier two cities are gonna be the first to come on and, and we'll take advantage of that. But I don't think it's gonna alleviate the need for you know, multiple diverse paths um, to create both resiliency and reliability. Um, so while what I think it will do and my, what our contention is, is that 5G isn't gonna eliminate um, DIAs or broadband, but instead of needing two separate broadband with two diverse carriers that don't share the last mile, you now could have broadband in a 5G and run traffic in parallel over that, which would give you more flexibility and oftentimes less construction costs or things like that to get diverse paths in. So we really do see some advantages with it. Um, we don't know that it's gonna be the end all be all and the only thing that's used. We do think you still need diverse paths. There are things that happen even in wireless networks that, that you need to have connectivity that remains to have a, a non-interruption to your business. It's interesting because usually, especially with broadband, um, you know, we've sort of notched up. We went from modems to, you know, DSL and, uh, other technologies and everybody sort of moved when they could and it got faster and faster and faster. And there aren't a lot of excuses for it to not be in the middle of farm fields in, in the middle of America. Uh, but basically everybody kind of went from one generation to the next. And it seems to me 5G is the first time where we're saying, look, you can't put enough antennas in yeah the farms in the middle of America to give this to everybody. It's not going to be possible. Absolutely. And so it's the first time where there's kind of this, you know, division where, look, if you live in the city, you might get it in a couple of years. If you live in the middle of nowhere, you won't, period. Right. Absolutely. So. Look, we still have customers that can't get off T1s. I mean, I, in all honesty, I mean, it, it still exists, right? So to your point, I think when we look at the populace, and, and I don't know that I blame the carriers. I mean, they're, they're gonna put their investment in infrastructure where it's most gonna be used. Um, but to your point, we have a lot of customers that have sites in tier five, six and seven cities that, that, that 5G is nowhere near in their future in the next three to five years. Right. Um, well, and, it is funny to hear the ads of, oh, we have the largest 5G network. And it's like, yeah, but what is that? Like 12 antennas in New York City? <laughs> <laughs> right. Ooh, you're, you're the biggest, good for you. It's so true. It's so true. And, and, and even then, you're, you're still not going to get away from using only 5G. I mean, you can't, you can't rely on that. You need to create um, a better contingency model than, than just that. So would you say that if people are able to go to 5G, that they need a failover to either 4G or to some other technology? Yeah, I mean, I, I would, I would never in in business critical applications or or businesses that that can't have interruption in their business not have um, a secondary, you know, wired line um, as well. Um, and, and so you I, think, at least for the foreseeable future, wires will be with us. Yes, I absolutely do. So, so yeah. that dream, you don't share that dream of. Uh pulling the wires out of the wall and a non-connected. Yeah. I mean, sure. At some point in time. Um, but you know, the, the other issue you, you, you have discussed is that, that 5g is fantastic, but you know, our, our need for bandwidth is not decreasing the, the, the size of data and what we're sending over those things um, is huge. And we haven't even talked about what the cost of 5g will be right. Based upon what that looks like. 
Um, if you're doing large backups into the cloud uh, at, at midnight and, and you're talking of massive amounts of data, um, is that humanly possible to go over 5G? Certainly voice and, and video, I'm sure it's not, not a problem. And again, if, if we deliver on a lack of, uh, you know, better, no latency and, and no jitter and, and significantly less packet loss, then yeah, I think you're going to be good in those areas, but you still have a need for massive amounts of data to flow over something and to flow very quickly. And so what kind of changes are you seeing with everybody uh, working from home, at least, you know, a, a large chunk of society working from home? Uh, does that change the bandwidth needs that you're seeing businesses uh, invest in? Yeah, you know, it's, it's interesting the, the the terminology I continue to hear or the, the quote unquote buzzword that we hear is, is branch of one, right? That, that we now have all these um, employees that we now have branches of one, right? I went from a branch of three to a branch of 103 uh, overnight. And so what do you do with that? So it's an interesting, um, it's an interesting concept. We have a lot of companies that we work with, um, both from an OEM side and then obviously directly with the end users. On, on how do we facilitate that. Um, there are more video conference calls um, on that, you know, you see the, you know, the, the frozen screen, you see the, you know, lips moving and no words coming out, right? Um, you get more of that because not every house held has the bandwidth. I will tell you, if you come to my household right now and you have all four of my kids e-learning at once, uh, I'm on a video call. I'm getting yelled at because the other one can't get on their Zoom call, right? And I've got a gig going into my house. I need more and I can't get it. Um, so how do you solve that problem? How do you solve the security issue? How do you solve the mission critical applications that are either in the cloud or on-prem and where that data traverses and how it gets there? So we do, we did see a lot of companies that are saying, okay, you know, we've got stuff on-prem, it needs to go to the cloud, or we have these people that are quote unquote, a branch of one. How do we improve their connectivity and their experience? Um, are they VPNing in? Um, what does that look like? Can we create more things that reside on the actual device itself so they don't need to do that? So there definitely was bandwidth constraints um, for these companies and for many companies out there when all of these workers went remote and all of a sudden everyone was converging in one spot, right? Right. So these applications that, that presided in-house or, or not in the cloud where everyone was coming there and it all needed to go out and get get somewhere and how do you do it and what do you do? So we saw a lot of that in this COVID state. You know, it's interesting that um, uh, it just happened to be a coincidence of technology, I guess, but everybody got sent home and then we didn't just use technology to make phone calls or to communicate with voice. We put video into the picture, which yeah. dramatically <laughs> increased. Absolutely. Absolutely. The bandwidth just, you know, off the charts. Um, I haven't seen the kind of charts that I'm sure we're going to see all next year in every PowerPoint, but the, the usage spike must have been incredible. Oh, it was tremendous. I mean, I, I can't remember ever seeing an article that Zoom crashed. And, and I see one like once every two weeks, right? Kids went back to school, Zoom's down, right? I mean, so... Um, Microsoft's reaction to only being able to have, uh, I think it was like two people on screen at once on Teams to now nine, right? These, the, the pace in which they changed things was unbelievable, but the bandwidth usage was incredible. Um, and, and, and for good reason, look, we, we on our own did it. We, we mandated that if there's three people or more on a call, it had to be video. We wanted people to get back to that personal connection. I think the coolest thing about it though, 
is it's almost like we got back to the basics. How many conference calls were we doing with no video attached, right? How many times were we just, we were calling or we standing behind email? COVID almost forced us to, to want to interact with people and to get back to that one-on-one -on -one personal communication right. and to use technology to reconnect people, not distance from um, each other. I, I celebrated uh, a Jewish holiday the other night and, and there was 30 people from around the, the US all on a video call. I don't know without COVID if we would have gotten to that Right. That point, right. And here we are with the TV at the end of the table. And, you know, there was 15 other people on the other side. I mean, it was great. Um, and it almost drove that. So, you know, fast forward, what does that mean? It means we, we drove up our own need for, for bandwidth at the house and we drive up how much bandwidth is traversing these, these networks um, all over. Eventually it's connecting to a wireline somewhere, right? Right. right. That is transferring somewhere. <laughs> um, and, and was that pipe large enough to, to take it? Yeah, well, it's interesting. I don't know if you do any uh, uh, cocktail hours or any of that kind of stuff, but yeah. uh, I I participate in one, and then uh, I just get together. I've gotten together with people that I, you know, kind of sort of casually knew or whatever, but, you know, I get these things. Hey, you know, you want to grab half an hour on Zoom, you know? Yeah. So it, it's been an interesting change. So uh, when people start going back to the office, have you thought about what the additional changes, will they just move the bandwidth or will they just add more? Yeah, so it's a great question and it's one we put a lot of thought into. Um, if you read a lot of what, you know, for better or worse, we'll call industry pundits or, 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 or futurists and, and the way they speak, um, and I tend to agree with this point. I, I don't think we're ever getting back to what we were pre-COVID. I think COVID was the 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 rip of the proverbial Band-Aid off of working from home. And so what that looks like when we get back, we don't think it's going to be this onslaught of we're going right back to where where we were. We think it's going to be certainly a hybrid model. Um, and, and people will have more flexibility as companies have figured out how to deal with both the technology and the productivity side of it. That being said, what you start to see is more concentration and more um, focus on um, where applications and services live, right? Whether that be on-prem and public or private cloud, you start to see more emphasis on collaboration tools, right? And, and how we communicate, whether that be through um, email or through chat or through video or through voice um, and, and what that need looks like. Um, and then you also start to see how do I secure and, and, and handle that, both securing the device and securing right, right the overall network. And so when we see people come back, we think this branch of one certainly isn't going away, um, but we do see that need for connectivity and for analysis on the best place to house the applications and tools that run whatever said business is that, that you're about. And we're planning accordingly to be able to accommodate those that come back and still those that are working remotely and create what is a more comprehensive strategy than, oh my God, I got to send 150, 500, 1,000 employees home. How do I do it? Right? We're now getting back to what's the new state of the world going to look like and what's the best way to set up our network and connectivity to accommodate that. Yeah. You know, uh, I always find it interesting when people say, well, you know, we're, no one's going to go back. It's like, no, nah, that's not yeah. true. Some businesses work best in an office and, and in, in that environment. But I do think one of the sort of permanent things, as you mentioned, is that working from home no longer has this stigma of being, right. you know, small business or half-assed or whatever. Right. And 
I also think it's going to push a bunch of people to the cloud because, you know, when you think about why, why do I have a server back in the office when there are no people back at the office? Does that server need to be in the office? Do I need a server at all? Right? I need storage. I need email. It doesn't mean I need a server. And I, I think it's just going to, it's going to make it more obvious to people that they should have moved to the cloud before all of this. <laughs> right. Well, and, and, and it's easier to make that decision now. And I agree 100%. First of all, there's some business just just needs to be conducted in person. Uh, we had a meeting today about, you know, we have a massive ERP implementation going on and, and we just needed to be in person. We needed to be able to talk and see each other and, and, and do that in a very safe, socially distanced way. Um, it was much easier to do in person than it was via, via video. Two, to your second point, um, you're 100% right. I think what what where the 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 miss is is that people say, well, I'm going to the cloud. That means a lot of different things to a lot of different people. Right. Going to the cloud means you can be at a, um, a a a you know connectivity neutral, colo neutral facility in a private cage that's just yourself with a direct connect into AWS and Azure that has some workloads that are in public cloud and some that are private cloud, but you've got access to all this bandwidth and you've got an access to a central location that's managed. Um, that's a cloud workflow just in a hybrid world. And, and we work with a lot of customers where we, we, we route their traffic back to our, our facility, our, 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 our colo neutral facility. We have direct connection to AWS, Azure, and GCP. We have some of their workloads that reside in our storage properties in our areas. And we have some that reside in the cloud. And a lot of that's based on cost and bandwidth and, and ingress and egress and what goes on there. But to your point, the conversation of where does it go and how do I get it off physical prem into some hybrid model um, or how do I get my voice system off of, you know, legacy PBX into the cloud that is now happening more than it ever has. And I agree. That's where COVID's really driving most everything. Yeah. You know, it's funny. Uh, one thing that hasn't changed in our business, I don't know, I've been in it more than two decades. I'll just say that. Um, is we basically move the choke point, right? Like, is it is it the bandwidth? Is it the server? Is it the, you know, internet connectivity, right? Is it how much processing power I have at Azure? Um, and so we're constantly just moving that choke point. And I always like to say, you know, ultimately our job is to make sure that the choke point is outside of anything I control. Right. <laughs> so, you know, once you can talk clients into a faster machine, a faster uh, pipe, uh, then they're happier. And clients think that they don't care about this until they try to get four Zoom calls at the same time. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, you, people jokingly say, I've got network issues. No, no, you've got bandwidth issues, right? And, 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 it, and that's where the, the, the great cause of so much of customer pains reside in that and that alone. Um, and what kind of throughput could they get? And I think the business accelerated quicker than they could react um, in, in many cases. But you're right. I mean, we've, we've moved that, um, that, I don't want to call it a point of failure, but we moved that point of contention over time and where that resides. But, but I, I will still tell you seven times out of 10, it goes to bandwidth and how you're handling right. the flow of traffic. So in, in some countries that I visit, everybody has uh, synchronous bandwidth. And in the United States, everybody has asynchronous bandwidth, or almost everybody. Um, do you think that that 
affects our ability to grow or is that just like, it's just reality and get over it? <laughs> yeah. Wow. Um, it, it's, an, it's an interesting question. I think some of that has to do with our level of safety and security <laughs> um, and, and, and this need for this single point A to point B, us and us only. Um, I think um, there's continuing to be a change on people feeling safe moving over shared internet, right? Or shared synchronous um, networks. Um, and, and I think we continue to see a move move to that. Um, but that being said, um, I do think it's a state that we're just going to live in. I mean, I think there's a, there's a point of what we do and how we do it that it's, it's not going to change in the near future. Um, and, and, you know, there's, I think there's positive and negatives to both ways of doing things. Um, so, so we'll see the way it plays out. I just think if we got a lot of video and maybe, maybe the, uh, algorithms are fancy enough that they can crunch down the video and it doesn't make much difference, but it seems to me we need a lot more outbound, you know, bandwidth than we used to. Right. Absolutely. And, and so the, the whole asynchronous thing, cause that can be controlled by literally flipping switches. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, yeah. If talk would have went away, we maybe it'll solve this problem. But it looks like talk is here to stay, so video is not going, <laughs> not going down um, at all. But but I, I would agree with I, I would agree with you. I mean, you know, if even if you look at it alone in our own personal lives and personal devices, you know, we, we went from you know sharing messages on Facebook to videos to videos on Instagram to. TikTok becoming massive in terms of the amount of, of um, content that's being watched on it. Um, so con that, that type of content video is only getting larger and larger by the day. Right. Well, there's also the case that uh, as the, the cost of storage, uh, mm -hmm. you know, keeps driving towards zero, um, <laughs> that uh, a lot of applications are just not picky about being, being, um, attentive to my bandwidth, right? Yeah. I get a, a camera that connects directly to the cloud and they give me whatever, you know, seven terabytes of storage. And it's like, why would they not go ahead and just upload a picture that takes up, you know, whatever, 10 megs every minute, right? Like they don't care. No. So it's interesting right? as things move around, people use each other's resources without thinking about it very much. Absolutely. Absolutely. Cool. All right. Well, uh, anything else that you want to throw in here before we go? Because we're pretty much out of time. Yeah, no, I mean, obviously, um, for those that, that have any questions or want to talk to us more, it's, you know, MNJ Technologies. So the letters uh, MNJ Technologies.com. Um, certainly reach out, out to us. Um, whether you're a, an end user um, or, or another, you know, VAR or MSP looking for help in these areas. Um, it's been a pleasure to speak with you. So I, I truly appreciate the opportunity. All right. Um, it's been a great time. Thank you, sir. Ben Nirenberg from MNJ Technologies. This is Ben Carl with another SMB Community Podcast. Thank you for tuning in to the SMB Community Podcast. If you found this useful, interesting, or fun, please subscribe, share with your friends, and give us a thumbs up on your favorite social media. Please check out the show notes at smbcommunitypodcast.com and give us your feedback.